As the young Christian church gathered for worship that morning, excitement and expectation filled the air. People were talking about what an amazing and grand day this was going to be. Some had not even slept, if you can comprehend that. Their hopes were higher than an eight-year-old boy descending the stairs on Christmas morning, except the roles were reversed. It's not the scruffy eight-year-old boy dragging exhausted and blurry-eyed parents down the stairs at five o'clock in the morning. It's eager and adrenaline-pumped parents dragging sleepy, stubborn little boys through dusty, crowded streets of, first, of the first century. Hurry up! We've got to get there today! We want a front seat! What? Mom, we never sit in the front seat! What about my friends? Can I still sit with Ben and Jason? Son, I, I don't really care about Ben and Jason today. Aunt Susan said, Uncle Paul said, Cousin Colin said, Pastor David received a letter from the Apostle Paul this week, and he is going to read it this morning. So just come on, dude. We got to hurry up down these streets. Let's go. Paul? Who is Paul? Oh, what do you mean, who is Paul? Have I failed you? I have told you this over and over again. Paul is the father of our faith. He is the one who sent Epaphras to preach to us the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul is like the big dude really in charge. So son, hurry up. We got to get to church this morning. And as that nuclear family of eight arrives at the house for worship that morning, every adult is just as excited as this mom. This was a big day for that church, even bigger than Christmas morning for an eight-year-old boy. They've never met him, but these Jesus followers know Paul as the godfather of their new faith. Their faith that has given them meaning and purpose and direction. You see, people in Colossae long for a significant reason of existence. Claiming Colossae is your hometown is kind of like claiming you're from Hemet. And if you're from Hemet today, I apologize for that. On so many levels, I apologize for that. There was nothing very special about their town. It didn't feel any grand purpose in the world. It wasn't on a trade route. It didn't sit near the ocean. The Colossians could get to a couple of rivers, but rivers... Rivers are dirty and icky, and I don't care what Brad Paisley sings about. They are just icky, gross, redneck fun, right? That's what they are. And it just didn't compare to being from Ephesus or Laodicea. In search of purpose and meaning, the Colossians followed all kinds of different religions. They had temples to Zeus and his band of Greek gods that operated hourly for those with the flair for the whimsical and the sensual. On the corner of Olive and Dove Street, the synagogue kept legalistic practices of Judaism alive and well. They had them going on year-round, carefully observing the Sabbath, Passover, ritual purification, and seasonal offerings in a futile attempt to keep this covenant from themselves alive with God. Others practiced some newfangled mystery religion that promised entry into a secret higher world for those who would submit to a proper initiation. I think it's the beginnings of fraternities and sororities in our world. And if none of that sounded quite right, the Colossians would just take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this, sprinkle it with some salt and pepper, a good cup of sugar, put it in a blender, drink it all up, and call it good. And that's why the gospel sounded so good to the Colossians. It was just Jesus. 
It was just a simple faith in Jesus Christ who conquers death with life, who trades the cobwebs of confusions for clear direction and quiets nervous, noisy hearts with his graceful rhythm of rest. The seed of faith, I think, grew easily among the Colossians because they were desperate for the simple majesty of Jesus Christ amid the boring, wearisome, repetitive routines of insignificant first-century Colossi life. Simply Jesus transformed their simple life. And while Epaphras actually spoke the gospel of Jesus to them, they knew that their church planter came by order of Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Epaphras spoke often of Paul, formerly known as Saul, Paul, the apostle that actually got to see Jesus. Paul, the Pharisee turned prophet. Paul, the Jew, but now Gentile champion of missionary efforts all over the Roman world. It is this Paul that has sent them a letter. They loved Epaphras in the same way that an eight-year-old boy's basketball team loves their coach. But their coach has been coached by Kevin Durant. And word has it that Kevin Durant has sent them their practice drills for the day. They can't wait to get to practice. They loved Epaphras in the same way that, you, that, not, that, in, that if you were a boy, 10-year-old boy, in Odessa, Texas in 1992, if you don't know Odessa, Texas, it is the capital in America for high school football. I mean, college football in the SEC has nothing on Odessa, Texas. And you'll just have to take my word for it, right? Ten-year-old boy, Odessa, Texas, 1992. Their coach has been coached by Super Bowl champion Troy Aikman. And word has it that Troy Aikman has sent them their practice and workout routine for the week. They can't wait to get to practice. It's not just their coach who they love. It's Troy Aikman. Well, if that one doesn't do you to you, just imagine that you are an AYSL rec soccer player. I should talk right here. You are an AYSL rec soccer player. I was given two choices, none of which Colin's going to like, apparently. Two choices of soccer players that your coach coached for, your coach worked for, played with. I was told by the younger ones in my family that I needed to choose Cristiano Ronaldo. For the girls and the boys. So you just imagine that you're playing on a normal old AYSL rec soccer team. We love it. That's what we play in my house. And your coach has played with Cristiano Ronaldo. And you hear that for that championship game on Saturday, Cristiano Ronaldo has sent you the game plan. Are you pumped to play that game, soccer players? It's not just your normal old coach. Or if that's not quite it, you just imagine that you are in ninth grade choir at your high school. You love your choir teacher. She pours into you. But did you know that your choir teacher used to be the voice coach of Taylor Swift? And Monday morning, Monday morning, early Monday morning, your smartphone starts to blow up, man. I mean, you have got every Snapchat coming through from your friends and every text and every Instagram message that can possibly come through because you hear that Taylor Swift has sent you a video message on how to sing better. 
He probably should have listened a little bit more. But we all love Taylor Swift, and she's making a ton of money. That wasn't very nice. We like Taylor Swift. But you, instead of your mom, instead of your mom saying, come on, you got to get out of the house. You are dragging your mom. Mom, i got to be the first one at school today. There is not a ninth grader on the planet that has wanted to be the first one at school. Maybe. Maybe there's one. That's what this is like for them. They love Epaphras. But Paul, not in person, Paul has written them specific instructions. And they are going to church to hear that letter, to hear those instructions. Can you imagine the anticipation that they are feeling? Into the house of worship, those members of the first church of Colossae gathered, greeting one another with a holy kiss, but really just trying to figure out how close they can get to the front. Families of 10 squeezed into spots for eight, and they just passed off a kid to grandma or to grandpa, and then mom had like four on her lap so they could squeeze in there together, right? Amelia begged to sit with her friends, but dad had already said, no, Amelia, you're sitting with me today because I want to make sure you hear every word that Paul has written to us. But Amelia was the kind of teenager that didn't necessarily take the word no as the last word. So she says, Dad, I haven't seen my friend since yesterday. That's the one I really like. I promise we won't write notes or braid each other's hair throughout church. We will pay attention. Amelia, I already told you that we are sitting as a family today. But, but Dad, Juliana is really struggling with some stuff. She needs me today, Dad. Amelia. No. Dad, come on. Amelia! That was the last word. So Amelia takes the only seat left, right next to her most annoying sibling. She slunks down in the chair for what she is certain is going to be the longest hour of her life this far. The leader looked around at how many folks were on time. He began to wonder if he had rehearsed the reading of the letter out loud enough. He went to bed last night feeling so sure of his interpretation of Paul's letter. But as the congregation grew, his confidence faded. Who was he to interpret Paul's voice? He had never even heard him speak or heard someone try to imitate him. And as he stood at the door to his home, turned into church that morning, he ushered the last few neighbors in and into the already crowded courtyard, swelling with anticipation. And as that leader cautiously crossed through the courtyard, making his way to the front, he was certain that everyone around him could hear the clanking of his nerves down deep in the pit of his stomach. He considered making a few opening remarks, and then he dismissed that idea deciding it was the worst he had had since he had asked his, told his wife they should have one more child to make 12 so that they could make a whole entire team of disciples just like these. So he brings forward Paul's letter. He, so he, 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 he makes it to the front. He says, I'm just going to have to get into this letter, maybe from, out under, from under his cloak, tied into his belt. He pulls out that letter. I just imagine that he did this. And I imagine that he sat there with as much anticipation as I'm sure you have right now. He opens it up. 
silence. Silence. As he begins to read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Yeah, this is for us is what they're thinking. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Yes, this is the gospel that we need. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Yep, we love Epaphras. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Patience. Patience, that's what I need, whispers the mom of two little toddlers warring to reign on her lap. And, and giving, giving joyful thanks, thanks to the, to the Father, Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Inheritance in the kingdom. I am more than a boring and insignificant Colossi citizen. Yeah. He rescued me. I wonder if he can redeem what I did last week. Paul's letter continued deeply into theological and poetic words about God the Father and Jesus Christ and Pastor David has been unpacking those for us and will continue to do so in the next several weeks. And the people hung on the words that were being spoken, that were being read, and that were being proclaimed before them. They could sense the breadth of Paul's understanding of Christ and his unconditional devotion to God and his undeniable love for these people that he has yet to meet. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have, become a mem I have become a servant by the commission of God that he gave me to present to you the word of God in all its fullness, the mystery that has 
been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now being disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I think for the most part, the Colossian church is feeling just like you. Wow, Paul, take a breath and put a period in there somewhere. That's a whole lot of words. And while, there are a whole, while it is full of deep theological significance, I started to wonder as I read that verse, those two verses over and over and over again, what would those very young believers had heard? What would they have heard? They, they didn't have the six commentaries that I read this week. They didn't, they didn't sit around and analyze while it's being read to them the Greek tense and where this word is found and all these other places in the Pauline letters. They didn't even know about other Pauline letters probably. What did those believers, those new young believers, what did they hear? I think they heard the deep love Paul had for them, deep enough to suffer on their behalf, to suffer sometimes in chains, to suffer sometimes economically, to suffer sometimes in loneliness because of the moral decisions that separate Christians from their next-door neighbor, to suffer loneliness because of the decisions and the lifestyle that Christian middle schoolers need to make that makes them separate from the ones they sit at the lunch table with. Loneliness. I think that they heard that Paul sometimes suffers on their behalf because of the way Christians have to separate themselves from the culture of Friday night after work, everyone's going to the bar. I think they heard Paul say, I am your personal flight attendant, and I am here to serve you this entire flight. Anything you need is at my command, so that when you are done, you will want to fly this airline again. That's what I thought when I was reading it. I had my own personal attendant. I don't know how that happened. There were five of us, and there was the nicest flight attendant that really did make us feel like he was there for just the five of us. Now, I didn't check to make sure, I didn't check to see if he was saying the same thing to everybody else, but I'm telling you, several times in this flight from Charlotte, North Carolina, all the way back to San Diego, he'd just stop in and say, hey, you doing okay, miss? Yeah, I'm doing okay. He didn't ask the guy next to me. I, I was pretty impressed. Personal flight attendant. I think that really what the first century church heard was, I am your personal steward of the mystery of Jesus Christ, and I will do whatever it takes for you to know and embrace and live in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You need to hear that again? I need to hear it again. I think that what they heard Paul say was that I will be your personal steward of Jesus Christ, and I will do whatever it takes for you to know in your soul, in your being, in your heart, in your mind, the, the, the power of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works within me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Great, Amelia thinks. Another adult with an extreme martyr complex. 
I want you to know how hard I have worked for you today. But Amelia was wrong. Because Paul didn't suffer from a martyr complex. He abided in the love connection between God the Father through Jesus Christ poured into every fiber of Paul's being so that he would then empty himself out onto the insignificant and unimportant people of the Colossi Church. Not a martyr syndrome, a love connection. And it was that love that spurred Paul on writing. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Encouraged in heart. United in love. That's what Juliana's dad's hoping for. That's why he came to Christ. But it doesn't seem to be working out real well at home. On the other side of the courtyard, there's Erin, and she just wants to know what those mysteries are. I mean, she is hooked on those words. She wants to understand the connections between what she's hearing. Words like suffering and servant and mystery and heart, treasures and wisdom and knowledge. And Aaron can hardly get, wait to get home and to hear the conversation around the lunch table. Not because she's going to get to sit at the lunch table, because Aaron is a servant girl in her home. But she's going to lean in a little closer as she pours a little, a little bit more tea that afternoon. Because she wants to know what they're talking about. She is hooked on to this Jesus, and she wants to understand these words that she has heard. Servant. I'm a servant, Aaron begins to think. I am a servant. I am going to go home today and serve like Paul has served us. Today, I'm going to find more joy in baking and cleaning than I have ever found before because I will do so not in a martyr complex but with a love connection with God the Father who has revealed himself through Jesus Christ and has poured himself into every fiber of my being and I'm going to take that love that he's given to me and I'm going to pour it out upon this family that I serve. Aaron found a love connection that will take her simple first century life and transform it for Jesus. Listen to one more portion of Paul's letter for the morning. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Though I am absent from you in body, I am delighted to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Though I am absent from you in body, I am delighted to see how firm your faith in Christ is. Maybe... Maybe some of them heard, though I am absent from you in body, I am delighted to see how firm Christ is in you. 
we tend to think we have it so much harder than the first century church. But I don't think our world is that much different from theirs. We live in San Diego, which is a great town to play in and live in, and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else on the planet, but it's really just because of the weather. I mean, it's San Diego, friends. It's not Los Angeles. It's not New York. It's not, it's not Moscow, Paris, London, Johannesburg. It's not even Memphis, Tennessee that can at least claim they had something to do with the civil rights movement in America. We spend day after day looking for significance, for purpose, for meaning. We try to find that in our jobs, in our families, in our hobbies, in our addictions to social media, to our smartphones, to alcohol, to eating, to sex. We are surrounded by every religion on our planet in our backyard. We can choose mystic sensuality or the attainment of some distant nirvana through meditation and self-denial. But we can also choose to worship at the corner of works and grace to keep the practices of Christianity going year-round, carefully observing the, the Sabbath, marking Christmas and Easter, and maybe Pentecost if we think about it. We baptize, we, we, we practice communion, we do service projects, we give our financial ties, and of course, we pledge allegiance to the ten, ten things every Christian must believe. Bam. We do all of that in some futile attempt to keep this covenant with God alive through our own works. Maybe because we're seeking significance, maybe because we're seeking importance, maybe because we're just seeking someone's approval. But we think we can earn it in the same way that Judaizers thought they could earn God's covenant. And if none of that works for us, if we try all those different things and none of that works, let's take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, sprinkle some salt and pepper, a cup of sugar, put it in the blender, stir it up, and drink it and see how I feel in the after, when I'm done. I don't know that we're all that much different from the first century church. We had fights on the way to church this morning. My house got going at 4.30 this morning because I had to send two of them off to um, family camp in New Mexico. We were at the airport a little bit before 6. I walked back with sleepy-eyed, sleepy-eyed 9-year-old little boy and his 14-year-old big sister. And we, we go through Einstein's once we get through the security checkpoint and all that kind of stuff. He's got his, well, they were all out of chocolate milk, so that was the first strike against us. And so then he has regular milk, and he's opening it up, and it splatters all over. I'm, I'm covered in milk. Luckily, I had white on. And while I'm cleaning up the milk that has splattered all over, half of his bagel sandwich falls on the floor. And then the tears started to roll. <laughs> and the 14-year-old just rolled her eyes like, I cannot believe I have to shepherd this all the way to Mimi and Papa's house. You had some moments like that this morning, too. We will go home to emptiness in our marriages, in our careers, in our bank accounts, both monetary and emotional ones. Some of us are all served out, and we have moved into the martyr mode of existence. We are serving out of obligation, or maybe legalism, or maybe in an effort, effort once again to find significance, or meaning, or purpose, or approval. But we don't have to live that way. The mystery of God has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ. And while we haven't seen him, neither had the Colossi church. 
I'm not sure what the difference is between the Colossians and Christians, uh, uh, between the Colossian Christians and us. Maybe the seed of faith grew easily among the Colossians because they were desperate for the simple majesty of Jesus Christ amidst the boring and wearisome and repetitive and insignificant routines of the first century. Let me say that again because you need to hear that one. Maybe the seed of faith grew so easily in the Colossian church because they were desperate for the simple majesty. Those words don't sound like they go together, but they do when you're talking about Jesus Christ. The simple majesty of Jesus Christ amid their boring and wearisome and repetitive routines of insignificant first century life. Maybe that's why the seed of faith grew so so quickly among them. And maybe 21st century church, we're just not desperate enough for Jesus to be enough. Maybe we're just not desperate enough for Jesus to be enough. Maybe we need simply Jesus to transform our simple lives. Maybe the difference is that they came to the word with great hope and expectation of finding something that would change them. A practice run by Troy Eggman that would make football fun. They expected, they expected something that would resonate with them, and the word did not disappoint. Maybe if we came to the word with that same hope and expectation, we would find significance and purpose and meaning. Maybe we would even find the simple majesty of Jesus. Maybe we would find faith in Jesus Christ, who does what? Who conquers death with life, who trades the cobwebs of confusion for clear direction, and who quiets our nervous, noisy hearts with his repetitive graceful rhythm of rest. Let me say that again. Maybe, maybe if we came to the word or to the word with the same kind of hope and expectation, Maybe we would find faith in Jesus who conquers death with life, who trades the cobwebs of confusion with clear direction, and who quiets our nervous and noisy hearts with his graceful rhythm of rest. Are we desperate enough to seek him like the Colossians? Are we desperate enough to seek him like an eight-year-old boy who's getting up on Christmas morning and can't wait to get down those stairs? Are we desperate enough to seek him? We like to go to movie premieres in our house. We think it's kind of fun. And 
The kind of movie premieres um, Corey and I go to are very different from the ones Anna and her father go to. Fairs are just full of people getting blown up and things happening out in the outer banks of the universe and bugs crawling all over you. I mean, you know, really deep, important kinds of things. I never joined them on those movie premieres. Corey and I like literary type movie premieres, but you've been to them too. Several years ago, the last Harry Potter was coming out. We made it a two-day event in our house. We had several girls that were here spend the night at our house. One of them even did her hair like Jenny. I don't remember if she wore it to the theater like that, but, but they got her all dressed up like Jenny, one of the main Harry Potter characters. We, we live about a mile from the theater, and so um, a little before 4 o'clock, we um, walked down to the theater, and um, we got in line, we staked out our place, and the movie was supposed to start at 6, no 7, no 8, no, no, midnight, and we were there at 4. Anybody else? There you go. Thank you. Come on. Admit it, friends. There we go. There's a few. There's a few of us. Um, there's a Rubio's next to us, so that's where we had dinner. The girls would go, and then the moms would go, and then the girls went down to Target because it's in the same shopping center, and they got more candy and who knows what else. About 1030 at night, the moms and I decided we've got to go get some coffee. So we, we walk actually across Highway 94. We, we didn't want to go to Target. We went across Highway 94 to go get a big, giant thing of coffee so that we could stay awake for this entire Harry Potter premiere. And i got to tell you, the movie did not disappoint. It was worth all of that effort. Last November, Hunger Games, another one that Corey and I really enjoy. There's another one coming out this fall. We, it, it was Thanksgiving week, actually it was the week right, right before Thanksgiving, and, and normally you wouldn't go do a movie premiere in the middle of school, but you know, it's a couple days before Thanksgiving break, they are not learning anyway, and so we had everybody that wanted to go come at 4 p.m. to our house, a little before 4 p.m. We left at 4 p.m., we walked that mile down to Edwards Ranch or San Diego Theater, we took our place in line, um, and luckily that one started at 8 o'clock, but some of the same routines. Some of us went to Rubio's, at some point the girls went all the way down to Target, got all their stuff, blah, 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 blah. And that movie did not disappoint. It was good. And I think I just kind of wonder, if we came to Jesus with that same expectation that this is going to be amazing, maybe, maybe we would find the simple majesty of Jesus Christ who conquers death with life, who trades the cobwebs of confusion with clear direction, and who quiets our no nervous, noisy hearts with his graceful rhythm of rest. We have a baptism today. We have a Jason being baptized today. And I think what's so beautiful about that is that he is a young child coming with wide-eyed expectation of what this simple Jesus is going to do in his life. Do you get that? 
Do you get that he goes into those waters believing that Jesus is enough? And church, do you believe that Jesus is enough? The simple majesty of Jesus. The simple majesty of Jesus. I'm going to set you up for this. Karen's going to come and she's going to read, read Jason's testimony. And we are going to be moved by the faith of Jason. Who God the Father, through Jesus Christ, has pouring himself into Jason's body. So that Jason can empty out that love into his world. And I think that there are many of us here today that need to experience that kind of simple majesty of faith in Jesus Christ. We talk in staff after every baptism. Yeah, we got to make sure we, we let people know that if they want to get baptized, they can just come on up. So listen, it sounds scary. But if you are moved and motivated by the simple faith in Jesus Christ you are about to see, we have towels and a change of clothes for you right around the corner. We came prepared. We came expecting simple faith in Jesus to transform us this morning.